this is AB, and this is the Talk About God podcast. Um, I can't help but think about expectations, right? Um, and how, <laughs> try as I might, I uh, never cease to not not necessarily set unrealistic expectations, but just. I feel like even getting your hopes up about things um, falls into the category of expectations too, right? Like I get excited at expecting um, something to happen and it doesn't or it doesn't happen exactly the way I would like or whatever the case may be. Um, and I, when I was younger, I had so many unmet expectations, like promises that never um, were followed through on that I would just, um, I used to like to say that I expected the worst and accepted the best. And what a miserable way to live, genuinely. And I think that some of us, um, are still guilty of that now. I mean, I know I even still have my own times that I'm guilty of expecting the worst and accepting the best and doing it all for the sake of saying, well, you know, God's will, you know, trying to say that it's not in my control. And I can't help but think that that's not what God wants for me. He wants me to be expecting his best because that's all he has to provide is his best. Um, And I know, especially in this world, I had to swear off social media again um, because of the anxiety that it can cause, um, that it does cause me, you know, seeing all of these things and everybody's screaming about the end of the world and all of this. And I just, I get so caught up in all of that that I forget to be expecting God's best. So even if the world ends, you know what? This world's temporary, like let it end. Why do I want it to stay? Because I know that heaven is what I have to look forward to. And if that's the case, then bring it on. Um, I do apologize for the goat babies. Hi, good morning, Rolly. Get down. Um, Regardless, I think that when digging into scripture as a whole, we can agree that expectations can get a little confusing. You know, we just kind of addressed the yesterday with the kids that even Paul had to have his own expectations of what his ministry was going to look like when he chose to follow Christ, right? He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Granted, he ran around rounding up Christians, putting them in prison or like Stephen, killing them. Um, So it's not that he didn't know that it could be a possibility that he would die or be in prison for his faith. Um, But I'm sure that he liked the idea of being the Christian of Christians, given he liked 
talking about being the Pharisee of Pharisee and took such pride in that. And maybe that's why God settled him in jail. Maybe that's why he got humbled in that manner. And then at the same time, he was, he was still so happy in that because he had the right perspective. He had his own expectations, I'm sure, that also got set aside and constantly reminding himself of God's goodness and of God's promises. Um, I've been studying the book of Revelation and thank God that I have because nothing helps quell the fear of these end of the world <clears throat> discussions amongst people like understanding what God says about all of it. And there are obviously many different teachers that teach on it and many different perspectives and points of view. Um, but I uh, found a teacher, I believe his name is Steven Anderson. It's the verse by verse ministry. You can, um, they've got an app that is amazing, but it, he, they go through each book of the Bible and the, the study on Revelation has been life-changing at, um, you know, to say the least, honestly. And it's not that I think that this man is the end-all be-all and that his opinion is absolute perfection. It is, of course, his own knowledge an interpretation of what he is seeing based off of what is written, there will be other people that will contradict. However, he's a very sound teacher. You can do your due diligence and dig online on him and you will not find a single teaching of his that is even remotely unbiblical. He did not spend his life surrounding himself with heretics um, or any of that. He, he was a good man that lived a great life and um, I realized last night in digging on him more um, we lost him early so um, he now gets to know if he was right or wrong <laughs> I guess <coughs> but regardless um, I highly recommend his teaching it's everything that he taught in this is rooted squarely in scripture he points you back to god's own word instead of taking his <clears throat> which is obviously ideal um and what one would need to do anyway so on expectations, uh, again, we talked about Paul last night, um, and if you don't know the story of Paul, he was Saul, his name was Saul, he was the Pharisee of Pharisees, personally bragged about it, um, he would go around rounding up Christians um, and persecuting them because they were going against the faith of the Jews, which they were running around essentially claiming to be Jew and that Messiah had come. And the Jews at large, the Sadducees and Pharisees had not, had not agreed that the Messiah had come. Um, Pharisees believed in resurrection, so some of the Pharisees were easier to convince, but the Sadducees 
were squarely against resurrection. They do not believe that. Um, still don't. And so it caused a lot of difficulty in this time. So for Saul to be on the road to Damascus to round up even more Christians, because that's what he did. And he did it thinking that he was doing God's work. That's the thing that you've got to keep in mind um, about him. He was indeed a godly man. He was a very godly Jew. He followed God's law um, impeccably. And so he was on the road to Damascus to round up more Jews and or more Christians. And Christ himself shows up and asks him why he's persecuting him. He shows up in such a blinding bright light that literally Saul loses sight for three days. And so Saul is then told, you need to go into, I can't remember if he had to go on into Damascus or where it was that he went, but you need to go into this town. You need to find Ananias. And Ananias is the instrument that I will use to heal you. Um, of course, God goes to Ananias and Ananias is like, Dude, Lord, like, you know, <laughs> we, we all know who Saul is. He, he's, he's been killing a lot of Christians. He's been rounding everybody up. Um, I don't know that I want to be anywhere <laughs> near this guy. And God says to him that um, he's going to, Saul is going to be his instrument and he is going to teach him what it is to suffer for God. And so Ananias ends up healing Saul. Saul becomes a Christian. He gets baptized. He is gung-ho. He is just as zealous as a Christian as he ever was as a Jew. And so he goes around and he starts preaching. This naturally gets him in trouble and lands him squarely in jail on death row. Um, the book of Ephesians is where we were at in the area that um, we were studying last night and is chapter three. And I just, I can't help but think about Paul and then of course think about expectations and then naturally think about my own expectations and how hard it can be sometimes to wrangle those in, right? You know, if you know, if you've followed along <laughs> my life um, over the past few years, um, even through this podcast, you'll know that I had a wonderful corporate job that I um, adored that for lack of a better expression, the wheels started to kind of fall off um, a year and a half in. Um, it allowed me the ability to buy, my husband and I actually, to buy this land. Um, and then in December, our worlds just kind of got turned upside down and um, thankfully we're here, we're at the farm and we're on the land, but it doesn't look like what we expected. It, um, and it seems to be kind of the thing for our lives as well. I mean, over the past five years, <laughs> we've had a lot of ups and downs and a lot of unmet expectations and a lot of heartache and hurt. Um, but the odd thing is, I don't necessarily, maybe it's not odd, but the, in my unmet expectations, I always feel the need to mourn them. Um, that might just be the, you know, me being a girl. I don't know. Um, but when my expectations 
are not met, when I get my hopes up about what I plan and my plan falls through and I still, I mean, I trust and I know and I know God is good and I know his plan is always better. Um, so it's never discrediting that, but when my plan falls through, it hurts and I have to cry (laughs) and get it out and get it over with. And then I always turn to God. And that's going to sound a little crazy, I'm sure. But in the middle of my heartache, I always turn to God. That has always been kind of the format of my life. I make plans. I fail, naturally, because I'm human and I'm imperfect and that's what I do. And instead of getting angry at God, which I could do, I mean, everyone, like, I can get angry, um, but instead I, I turn to him and I lean in more. And I think that is why I do my best growing under pain. I think a lot of us would agree that we do our best growing under pain. I'm pretty sure Paul would also agree, and Paul, sorry, um, Saul became Paul in his baptism and got a new name. So I would agree, I would say that Paul would probably agree that we do a lot of our best growing under pain um, when we are forced to give up our control because, I don't know, it, it may just be me, but I think that human nature, we that might be part of our downfall. Um, like Adam and Eve um, in the garden and it was pride most definitely but also being like God and having a sense of control I think um, probably enticed them as well and so it it makes sense we love to make idols right like we have to have (laughs) we have to feel like we're in control which is crazy because it's not until I come to the end of myself it's not until I acknowledge the fact that I've got no control Um, I'm currently in literally the middle of a situation that I would love nothing more than to just fix. Like I, I have it in my head, what needs to happen and how it could be better. And I just, I am spending a lot of my time thinking about it and then trying to remind myself to pray about it because I'm very much a, if you have time to worry about it, then you have time to pray about it and if it's something that's obsessing you're obsessing over it then you need to pray about it so between spending time thinking about it worrying about it and praying about it and then trying so desperately to remind myself to be humble enough to acknowledge the fact that at the end of the day it's not mine to control and it's God's wills and his will alone and whatever he says will happen and I will be okay with that no matter what, I will figure out a way to be okay. And, and the funny thing is, is either side of it is um, complex in its own right. You know, on one hand, it's it's going to be a challenge. And the other hand, it's going to be a challenge. So <laughs> no matter how it, it shakes out, it's going to be challenging. And just acknowledging the fact that I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this by myself. And knowing that we're not like I as an individual get stressed out by being on social media and seeing how awful the world is right and having it shoved in my face at how awful the world is and what good does it bring right like I know the world's awful 
sorry. I have a dog wandering off. Poppy, not the... You don't go past that. Um, sorry. But anyway, um, I don't need it shoved down my throat. I don't need a constant reminder. And it goes back to my issue with social media anyway and remembering that in Paul's day, he sat in prison. And the only way that he got information was when it was delivered. He got a letter or someone came and talked to him about what was going on in the church. Okay, so it wasn't instantaneous. Something didn't explode a thousand miles away and Paul immediately know about it. And I think that that slower, simpler type of life is actually better for us. God is really the only one capable of handling the constant onslaught of knowing everything, the constant information overload. That's not for me. That's not, it might be for you. And if it is, God bless you, (laughs) but it's not for me. I get so torn too, because it's like, well, what do you know? How do you know what to pray about? Well, can I not have faith that the Holy Spirit will guide me in that? I mean, it says that he will. God's word says that he, he knows Um, And he, you know, he prays on our behalf. And why do I have to get it in my head that I can somehow save the entire world? That doesn't make any sense. Um, So just finding comfort in walking away from that and knowing that the instantaneous information is not necessary and it's not always good for me. Um, Actually, it makes me, it brings me fear. If I'm going to be honest, it brings me anxiety. These are things that are not of God. It's not fruitful in any way, shape, or form for him. Um, Not to say that there aren't godly people and they're trying to shine bright lights. I get that. But, like, for instance, Instagram. I liked it because I could curate and, like, make the world smaller, so to speak. Um, The unending information, I could make it smaller. And it's even gotten to the point where even those who are who are godly are like fretting over Gog and Magog and the world ending and all of these things and wars. And I just need to be clear that I don't want to scare people out of hell or scare the hell out of people. Um, I know that the world is a awful place, but I want... If you're going to lead someone to Christ, you should do it with hope, right? You should do it with joy and peace. You should do it by saying, hey, I need you to know the world is a terrifying place. Um, Especially if you're trying to do it alone. I need you to know that Christ is amazing. He died on a cross for you. He knew he had his own expectation, right? In the garden, before he's crucified, the night before he's taken into custody, he sits in the garden and he prays and he says, Father, if this cup can pass before me, like if there's any other way, let it pass. Basically, Christ knew that he was going to go to the cross. He knew exactly what was going to happen. And he even said, hey, Father, here's my expectation. Here's my will. I 
would really like to not have to do this. I would. I would. I if, if we can find a different way, let it pass. But he follows with, "Not my will, but yours, be done." Essentially saying, "Hey, here's my suggestion. Here's what I would love to happen. I would love to have, um, you know, that job. I would. I would love to have that job, and." I genuinely think that that could be great. However, if that's not your will for me, if that is not your will for me, I don't want it if it's not your will, so your will be done above all. Here's my suggestion, here's my request, but your will be done and not mine. Um, there's a piece in that because it's not that God doesn't want to communicate with us it's not that he doesn't want to know our heart it's not that he doesn't want us to tell him like don't you dare go to God and ask him for anything because you should be living in his will and his will alone no like you're you're his kid you know and I can tell you there are so many times that I look at my child my children and I'm just like what what do you think would make you happy I'm not saying that you're gonna get it because it might be ridiculous but like what do you think would make you happy let me take that into consideration um obviously he takes things into consideration because he gives people over to their own sin um when they're willful and you know stubborn and refuse to listen and truly won't repent or follow him so there's that but christ hung on a cross and endured the most horrific amount of pain and humiliation and heartache um you know at the time that he died his own brothers his own siblings in his own home did not acknowledge him for who he was or what he was doing for them i mean just imagine that um your own brothers undoubtedly calling you a liar to your face <laughs> right like this is not saying that you're a liar saying that you're a blasphemer all of these things that undoubtedly happened. Um, and so, enduring all that, the whole time, knowing that he was doing that for you, and for me, and even for the, the people in your life that you find to be the most ungodly, he did it for them as well. He did it for each and every one of us. He sat there knowing and enduring because of his love for us because he wanted to reconcile us to the father so much that he was willing to do that and that shows you God's love as well that God would knowingly send his son to die in that manner as a parent um, I can tell you that that I can't imagine witnessing my child suffer in that way and knowing that I have the power to stop it at any moment just snap my fingers or <laughs> I don't know whatever he does um, and still knowing that if I were to do that then the rest of my children would die um, and forever be separated from me I just I can't imagine the heartache of that as well and so to know that both God the Father and the Son loved you so much that they were willing to go through that just hoping <laughs> that you would believe in what they did 
and hoping that you would truly understand that they love you so much that they were willing to do that is that should be what saves not the fear of hell and don't get me wrong I grew up Baptist so I was led to Christ by hellfire and damnation um, and the knowledge of hell scared me into heaven but it wasn't until I truly understood what heaven was that I came to peace and became truly obedient to Christ, to God, and what um, the work on the cross actually accomplished for me. So above all, as always, get in the Word. You're never going to understand any of this. You're never going to get to know who He is if you only take my word for it. Get in the Word, get in the Word, get in the Word. Um, wrestle with him ask him for help um, maybe shut down social media <laughs> I don't know it's good for your health I will say that and um, dig deeper don't just read it and leave it at surface level and go oh cool well, that was interesting like check out the uh, verse by verse ministry right? Like it, it's podcast style. It's great. Um, helps you dig deeper step-by-step step, through various different books of the Bible. Um, right now media, it's a subscription service that churches have the ability to subscribe to for their congregants. Um, maybe that's something that you can do within your church or maybe just a group of friends. Maybe it's not a church thing. Maybe you and a group of friends get together and, uh, subscribe to it. I don't know, but it, don't just stop at surface level. Dig. Digging is what gets you growth. Let me tell you, I planted grass seed and uh, been watering it and everything. And I only had enough hay to put it on part of it and not on the rest. And I can tell you that the extra work I put into spreading straw on a selection uh, you know, set part of the grass seed, that extra work paid off. Because that grass, oh man, it's it's way better. <laughs> it's doing way better than the rest of it. Uh, and it's because of that extra work and the extra effort that I put into it. And I feel like that applies to anything that you do. You have to dig deeper in order to really produce a good fruit. So get in the word, get in the word, get in the word, and just dig. <laughs>